We're in the book of 1 Thessalonians today. If you've got a Bible or device, open up to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in chapter 2 in just a little bit, uh, verses uh, 11 and 12 there, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Uh, and we are talking about this idea this morning that God does call us to watch our step, all right? Not just when you're coming into a flooded church building with shop vacs and bouncing house blowers, but in our daily Christian life, the Lord calls us to watch our step, to pay attention to who we're following and to be aware of who might be following us. Uh, last week, we opened up this series looking at how this guy named Paul wrote a lot of letters 2,000 some odd years ago and mailed them out to a lot of churches. One of the churches is here in the city called Thessalonica. Last Sunday, I said it as Thessalonica because that's just how people from Augusta talk, I guess. But on the way out the door, people said, I thought it was Thessalonica. I said, well, you're wrong. No, it is. It's, it is. It's Thessalonica um, or Thessalonica if you're from Porterdale. So you could go either way on that. But no offense, my wife's from Port- I get it. But um, knowing that when Paul wrote these letters, y'all, he was writing them out to groups of believers very, very similar to us, but they didn't have an entire New Testament at their fingertips, all right? So what was happening, Jesus dies on the cross, buried in the grave, and he's resurrected from the dead. He sends the disciples out and he says, tell everybody you can about me, and they do. People start coming to faith in Christ, they start planting churches, waiting for Jesus to come back. Jesus hadn't come back yet. We're talking just 15, 20 years after his death and burial and resurrection. So the churches start to naturally figure out like, hey, how, how are we going to continue to do this? We're living in a world that doesn't agree with the teachings of Christ, that really doesn't want us to tell them about Christ. And yet that's the greatest command is to love the Lord and know the love of other people. So guys like Paul and the other apostles were sending out letters saying, you know what? Here's some guidelines. Here's some things you want to make sure you do. Here's some things you want to make sure you don't do. Here's some guardrails on how to build this church and to live out your daily Christian life. And here we are, 2,000 some odd years later, living in a culture that oftentimes does not reflect the teachings of Christ. And yet we are called to do the same thing the early church was, to be like Jesus everywhere we go, which means we have to watch our step because other people are watching. And Jesus says things like, follow me and be like me. I like how Paul opens up in just a little bit because if you read all of chapter 2, it's a longer chapter. We're just looking at two verses. But he talks to these folks like they're his friends, because they are. He's eaten in their houses. If they had swimming pools, he would have swam in their pools. Like, he's been in life with them, and he consistently says through a lot of his letters, remember how we were when I was there. Walk like that, reminding them of the relationship he had with them. It's good to have a good sermon. It's good to be able to have some good facts and figures to share with people. But to me, one of the greatest gifts you have as a follower of Jesus Christ is the simple fact that you are following Jesus Christ. And you can say at any time to anyone, follow me, walk with me. Let us live this life together. Paul was reminding these people of his relationship with them as he was also reminding them of their call to be like Jesus. Caring relationships, not just sermons. He was reminding them that they were able to watch his steps, not just hear his words, which will let a lot of other people to relationship with Jesus Christ. I got two questions that I've been thinking about this passage this week, especially these two verses. Let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, just verses 11 and 12 right here. Paul says this, For you know, talking to the church back then and talking to us today, for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you. We exhorted, encouraged, and charged 
Other translations say things like we encouraged, we comforted, and we urged. We did those things with you. Listen, this part's really interesting. To walk in a manner worthy of God. To walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. To remember this morning that we are called as followers of Jesus to walk in a manner worthy of God. One of the desires of our church from the beginning, both campuses, is to be a place that is culturally relevant while remaining biblically pure. What does that mean? It means it will be a type of place that has good music, has great coffee and nice donuts, and an atmosphere that is inviting for folks that maybe have never been to church before or has been a long time to come in and go, you know what, I feel comfortable here. These green chairs are the classiest thing I've seen since 1997. You know, like this is good. But then once everyone gets inside, we can sing songs of truth and preach scripture straight from the scripture to remember that God, even though we are, I like to think, a pretty comfortable church, we want to follow Jesus together, never stops calling his followers to become holy like he is holy. The standard, y'all, is still perfection, which is why Jesus never says to anyone, you want to be like me? Follow A, B, C, or D. He says, no, no, you want to be like me? Follow me. He sets himself up as being the standard. So two questions I've got from these verses this week. I hope they speak to you. The first is, whose steps are we following? Very simple question. Whose steps are we following? This could be physical steps, mental steps, emotional steps, or spiritual steps. One of my favorite Dave Matthews songs starts out, where are you going? (laughs) Where are you going? Right? I think a lot of times in this life that I'm living, I'm usually kind of busy going from one place to another. We really, I really have a lot of time to take a step back and go, you know what, let's do an assessment here with my children. If you're married, in my marriage. If you're in church, in my church, in my job. Let's do an open book assessment. Let's say, all right, what, let's paint this thing out here. Let's play this thing out and see where am I going to be a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now. I used to tell teenagers all the time when I was working with teenagers as a youth pastor, the people you hang out with, or making a difference in your life. And a lot of times teenagers will look at me and say, I don't think so. And I'll say, no, really. The people you hang out with are making a difference in your life for the good or for the bad. Now I get to work with a lot of adults. Guess what? Conversations haven't changed a whole lot. I'm saying to a lot of adults, the people you hang out with are making a difference in your life for the good and your bad. And a lot of adults say, not in my life. I say, yep, the people you hang out with. We've got to ask ourselves, whose steps are we following in every area of life? If you're running a business and you want to be a better businessman or businesswoman, I would encourage you to find people that are 5, 10, 15, 20 years out from where you currently are, read some books that they've written, go to some seminars, read some biographies, and ask yourself, what have they done that I can begin implementing in my life today so that I may end up in that way? Same thing spiritually. If you want to end up in a certain way spiritually closer to Jesus, I would highly encourage you to find a few people who are a few years older who have been through some stuff and ask yourself, what have they done in their lives that I could start doing in my life today that would help me get to where they are? That doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it does mean that we need to be aware of it. To me, one of the struggles with humanity is we spend so much time looking around us that we spend very little time looking down at our actual feet saying, hey, where is this next step taking me? Whose steps are we following? When it comes to our Christian walk, y'all, that answer should always be Jesus himself. But we've got to ask ourselves, are my footprints trying to follow in his footprints? It's awesome to me to know that Jesus, when he was around fishermen, you know what his topic of conversation was usually when he met a fisherman? Fish. 
When he was around tax collectors, he usually opened up a conversation about taxes and the government. When he was around kids, I don't know what he was talking about because I didn't write it down, but other kids wanted to come and hang out. I think he was talking about some fun kid stuff. When he was talking about women that were alone next to a well, what did he talk about? What it means to be lonely and have purpose. Jesus had the beautiful ability to identify with every person that he met intentionally, not just assessing where they were, hearing their story. And he almost always, he always follows it up with the same two invitations at the end. Go and sin no more. Follow me. How often Jesus said to those around him, especially the disciples in Luke chapter 5. Luke does a great succinct way of just laying out linear kind of stuff, a timeline. Jesus meets a bunch of disciples. He says, hey, y'all, I'm going to change your life. Follow me. And they immediately drop their nets and start following. The word immediately is only used in Scripture a few times in the New Testament, which means this is a big deal. He doesn't give them a handbook. He doesn't tell them to watch these 15 YouTube videos or go to this seminar. He just simply says, follow me. And they start following him. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus says to his friends, come and follow me. And then he starts. We don't know if it's a day or a few days, but in a very short period of time later, Jesus is walking down the street and he sees a leper. In Jesus' day, a leper was required by law to call out loud when they were a good distance away to whoever was coming nearby and had to warn the people that were coming towards them that they were a leper, which meant if you saw a leper from 50 yards out, that leper would have to start saying, don't come near, I'm a leper. I'm a leper, I'm a leper, I'm a leper. And they would have to repeat that to try to stop anyone from getting too close to them. If you're a disciple, you've been raised in a good Jewish household like all of them had, they probably heard what grandmama said. Which was very likely, boy, a leper ever says something to you, you need to turn around and go the other way. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't address it. He just keeps walking towards the leper. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus says, with his followers really closely behind him, he goes up to the leper and touches the man and says, be healed. Who's standing around him in that moment? A bunch of disciples who have very likely never been within 20 yards of a leper. And here Jesus is touching a man which was breaking every social boundary they understood. What does that mean? They had to pay attention to whose steps they were following. Because there are a lot of opportunities for them to say to Jesus, and many of his early disciples did, I don't know where your steps are going. I don't know if I'm willing to follow. In John chapter 6, there's this awesome chapter, y'all. Jesus is just rocking it. I'm talking every church growth book in America will be eating this stuff up. He feeds 5,000 people. He walks on the water. He starts preaching about he's the bread of life. In my mind, the disciples are writing home saying everything we dreamed is coming true. Jesus is it. We're taking this thing home. We're taking over. And Jesus noticed the crowds that were following him. And he knew how difficult it was going to be for people to actually follow in his steps. So he preached a little sermon. And his sermon got really weird. Because in the sermon in John chapter 6, Jesus stood up and said, Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. And you know what a lot of people then said? Same thing some people now are saying. That sounds kind of weird. You mean like, what do you mean by that? This is my interpretation of that. He said, what do you mean what I mean? I eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's what I mean. And a vast majority of the people chose not to follow any longer, and they went the other direction. You know what Jesus did? He ran after him, and he begged and pleaded. According to Scripture, Jesus stood there, and he watched them walk away got to a point to where just a few of his 12 disciples were left. Scripture says in John 6 that he looked at the disciples and said, you want to go away too? You tired of falling in my steps? 
And Simon Peter, who was so bold and honest, answered and said, Lord, beautiful phrase, to whom shall we go? You are the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What is Simon Peter saying there? He said, no, I'm in. I'm following your steps. I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to make sure that my feet are following your feet. And Simon Peter spent the rest of his life trying to tell that to other people. Which is why we believe here that lives touching lives is what makes a church. As we read earlier in Romans, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Paul writes in this letter that we are to walk in a way that is worthy of God. How can we become worthy of God? The only way to do it is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've been a Christian for 30 years. Isn't that wild? Trying to be like Jesus for 30 years. Reading about him, studying about him, talking to him. And if I can be honest in front of you, I still struggle sometimes with being like him. There are still days where I get down at the end of the day and I have to repent and say, Lord, my steps didn't follow your steps today. I got distracted trying to follow someone else or somebody else's teaching or my own desires and I neglected you. So we've got to be intentional. Whose steps are we following? Why does that matter? Y'all, it's an eternal difference. In Jesus' day, the temple was massive and it was this, like the epicenter of the faith in Jerusalem. The temple set up in a real special way had what, the area that was called the Holy of Holies. A lot of you have studied that, which was separated by this big curtain, this big thick curtain. And inside the Holy of Holies, that was like the main part and the very most upfront part of the temple. That's where the chief priest, one guy, once a year would enter in and make a sacrifice on behalf of all the people. Once a year, one person had the chance to meet with God himself. Right outside of that was the next vestibule, kind of foyer area, but pretty large. It was designated just for the priests. So only the guys that were priests could enter into that area. Outside of that was a place for the Jewish men. So if you're a woman, hang in. But Jewish men could enter that area. Outside of that area was a place just for the Jewish women. So if you're a Jewish woman, you can hang out in that area. And at the back, a very large area, was a place for the Gentiles, pretty much for everybody else, which meant if you weren't a chief priest, you were never getting inside the Holy of Holies. If you weren't a Jewish man, Jewish woman, like you got further and further back. And lo and behold, Jesus shows up on the scene and starts preaching his message of salvation and redemption to everybody. And then he follows through with it. Why is it important to make sure we are following the steps of Jesus? Because all other roads lead to hell for all of eternity. Every other road. And some of them sound really good. And some of them bring a lot of pleasure and a lot of good stuff and a lot of money or a lot of happiness or a lot of comfort or a lot of peace for the next few decades. But according to scripture, we were created for a lot more than just the next few decades. So Jesus says things like, follow me. Why would he say that? Because he knows, y'all, that there are so many other powers at be fighting for the souls of other people around us and our own souls and our own families. Trying to say things like, you aren't worthy. You can't get in. This is only for certain people. You aren't good enough. You've had too many mistakes. You were born in the wrong household. You've sinned too many times as a teenager. And all the while, what does Jesus do? In every step, he goes all the way to the cross. And from the cross itself, he says, it is finished. And when he utters those words, the plan of God is sealed and the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, opening up full access to God himself to everyone. 
at any time. I like being a preacher. You don't need a preacher to know Jesus. I like working in a church. You don't really, I think it helps. Like we got a lot of things there. But knowing that Jesus did that and he calls us to follow in his steps so that everyone can have a chance to know him. Only by walking with him will we have life to give others, to invite others to follow him. Whose steps are you following? Simple question. If Jesus would do the things that you were going to do this week, do them. If he wouldn't do the things that you were going to do this week, don't do them. If he would watch what you're going to watch, watch it. If he wouldn't watch it, don't watch it. If he would tweet the thing that you're going to tweet, tweet it. If he wouldn't tweet it, don't tweet it. We've got to pay attention to whose steps we are following. Because y'all, it could lead to other people coming to know Jesus or not. Which leads us to our second question. Who is it that could be following in our steps? Who might be following me? I know some people might hear that and go, it's not fair to compare myself. I'm not supposed, it's not fair for other people to look at me and think that. No, my wife's response every time my kids say it's not fair is, life's not fair. I mean, she's just black and white, 90s kid from Newton. I'm just talking, it's not fair. Suck it up. She doesn't say that part yet. I must think it to be 10. But knowing that we have to be aware of who is following in our steps. Hear this. If you think you are leading other people, whether it's a family or a spouse or a kid or an organization or a business or a church or a neighborhood, and you turn around and no one's following you, you're not leading. You're going for a walk. And there's nothing wrong with going for a walk, but God calls us to lead. How do we lead? As a Christian, we're called to lead by following him. So we've got to be aware of who may or may not be following in our steps. We're all leading someone somewhere. I pray that it's always to the Lord himself. Back in the day, we would go on the beach trips when my kids were a little bit smaller, and they'd want to step in my footprints. Y'all remember that? If you had kids at the beach, it's exhausting but fun all at the same time. We'd jump in those footprints, and Luke especially. Is my, as, I mean, I'm five foot seven, so I got a giant leap here, you know? But as I would go, he's like, bigger steps, Daddy, bigger steps. And I'd try to jump, and then he would try to jump, right? Stretch himself out to see how he could go. I've got to pay attention to see who might be following in my steps. Sometimes it's easy to see. We're on the beach, and there's actual footprints in the sand, it also happens at lunchtime on Tuesday, when you're teaching a class during the school year, when you're in a business transaction with everyone else, knowing that others are following in the steps that we are laying from the Lord himself. <laughs> it might be. If I just got an email, I will forward that to the church because that's awesome. While preaching to the Thessalonians, rather than trying to get something from them, Paul was doing everything he could for them. He was likely remembering what he had already written in Romans when he said, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Who is hearing the good news of Jesus Christ because of the steps that you are currently taking? Middle schoolers, if you're going back to middle school, you're going to have a much better chance of stepping towards Jesus in front of other middle schoolers than I will ever have. More middle schoolers will be in heaven because of the action and the faith of the middle schoolers in this room in the next three years than I will ever have a chance. Same for high schoolers and college kids. Same for single moms and same for married moms. I'm not a mom, never will be, but moms, you got an ability to do some things that I will never have the ability to do. And God calls you to follow him and pay attention to who's following you. If you're an insurance salesman, I'm likely never going to have sell insurance. Got an offer, but no, I'm just kidding. Like if you do, pay attention to who's in that room with you as you're making transactions. If you're a college student, pay attention. Why? Because other people are watching us take our steps. Would it be effective if you're teaching a newborn baby how to walk, or newborn, a little kid how to walk, you know, and they take those first steps? Isn't that funny? They do a little wobble and they fall for a second. 
Wouldn't it be silly to look at that newborn or the little kid that just went out walk and go, cool, doing a 5K next week, babe. Let's go. They're, they can't walk to the kitchen. They just learn how to take their first steps. The same is true with other people as they're becoming more like Jesus by maybe watching us take steps towards Jesus. There are going to be some in our lives that are ready to run a marathon for the Lord. Y'all, there are other people in our lives that are very likely barely having the strength to put one foot in front of the other. And Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, be aware of that. For those that are struggling for the strength to have another step, sit with them like Jesus did and pray with them and say, I will walk with you. For those that are on fire and saying crazy stuff, like we're going to move to Saudi Arabia and start a church, let's go. Let's get some money. We'll send you out. But he says, be aware of who is following in your steps. What do we do? One step at a time, trying to become more like Jesus. Jesus calls us to trust him as the way, the truth, and the life. He is our way. If he is our way, we are to be like him in every way. Every step Jesus took on this earth was taken with intentionality knowing that the eternal souls of other people were always on his mind. And he calls us to walk in a manner that is worthy of God. That's good stuff. There's a guy named Kyle Eidelman. He's a pastor of a church called Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. We get about 25 to 30,000 people on a weekend. It's a large gathering. Wrote in a book, One at a Time, that he had taken his wife on an anniversary trip to New York City to go to a Broadway play. He had been a pastor for 20 years at this point, celebrating their, 20, I think, 20th anniversary. So it was great. Came time for intermission, and the guy next to him started up a conversation. Said he was taking his daughter um, for her high school graduation. Part of her high school graduation was going to New York, seeing a Broadway play. He said, that's cool. I'm here with an anniversary trip for my wife. And that guy said, he said, how long have you been married? He said, you know, 20 years. He said, that's cool. So you got married, started a whole conversation. And he said, this guy said, you know, that little girl right there, his daughter, they had just graduated high school. So you know when she was six years old, man, we had a hard year. My wife and I started struggling. Finances were tight. She got diagnosed with some scary, like it was, it was crazy. And Kyle Adams says, a pastor, I was ready for this. I was like, yeah, life gets crazy sometimes. And we're going to trust the Lord together, you know, going, going through this thing. But he said the guy did something, according to Kyle Ottoman, that no other Christian has ever done with him before. Because that man said, but in that same year, a friend of mine invited me to church. And they told me about this man named Jesus who died on a cross for me, man. And they buried him in a grave, and he was dead, but he came back to life. He said, I just want you to know that I follow him. And I want you to know that you can follow him too. You just got to believe. Kyle Adam said as a pastor of a 30,000 member church, he didn't know what to say. Because he was too convicted by how few times in his life he had said those exact same words in that exact same order to other people around him. Y'all, other people are watching the steps that were taken. And some of us will be the vessel that the Lord chooses to use to lead other people into his very presence. Who in your life might be ready or in need of you sharing with them who it is that you're following? Every step Jesus took was taken with intentionality. And he calls us to be like him in every way. To me, one of the best ways to tell other people about Jesus is to live in such a way that points other people to Jesus. 
Sometimes as a preacher, it's kind of easy. I mean, sometimes, because I can go, man, y'all just follow Jesus. I get it's a captive. Like, most people aren't going to go anywhere. Like, this is it. But in my daily life, when I'm not in, in front of a lot of people at one time, it's a little bit different. Because you have to, to me, it's more effective. Instead of saying, hey, let me tell you where to go, how to get there, to do like Jesus did. What did Jesus say? Hey, man, follow me. Walk with me. Let's go together. I will get you from here to there. He's the goal but I will walk with you on the process. Who is following in our steps? You know, we've got to be willing to walk the walk as well as talk the talk to pay attention to that. Jesus did. And because of the steps he took and others that have followed in his steps, we can have access to knowing the good news of Jesus Christ. Who are you following? Who's following you? Let's pray. Lord, today, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your love. God, I thank you for those in my life who chose to follow Jesus and teach me about him. I thank you for allowing us to have a Savior who calls all of us, according to Jesus, to do things that even he didn't do, which is wild. But Lord, who also loves us enough to come and sit with us when we're in a time of need. Lord, I pray for the steps that are going to be taken by the members and the families of Lake Point Church this next year. Lord, I pray your blessing and your guidance over every step that is taken, whether it's leaving this place to going home to eat a meal with a family, going to work at the station, Lord, going to be with the kids, going to camp. We have so many kids going to camp this week and next week. Lord, that you would speak and you would move through that. I pray that all of us would continue to ask ourselves that question. Who am I following right now? Are we following Jesus in the steps that we are taking and the things that we are doing and the words that we are saying? And also, may we ask ourselves who might be following us because I want everybody to know about this Jesus that we serve. To know that one of the greatest ways to do that is to live a life of faith in front of others. Lord, for anybody here, hearing these words right now that has never taken a first step in their faith walk. God, I pray that today, even in the next song, we had two young men just last week. If they would be willing to come and share that with me or someone else in this place, Lord, we want as many as we can to be in heaven for eternity with us. Lord, if somebody wants to take that first step of faith today, they're thinking, I need to tell somebody, I don't really know what to do. Lord, let them start that conversation with you. Introduce yourself to the Lord if that's you. Tell them that you've sinned. He knows. Repent of those things. Lay those down. Trust that Jesus really did come and live a perfect life. He really did die on the cross. And when he died on the cross, your sins were crucified with him. He was buried in the grave and he came back to life. And in this very moment, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ invites everyone to follow. That here's the Lord to help us. If somebody in this place or hearing these words is struggling with just having the strength to put one foot in front of the other, let us be a congregation and a family of believers that gathers around those to walk with each other in this life. You are faithful. And I am thankful, God, that our Savior didn't come and tell us how to get things done or how to earn salvation, a bunch of rules to follow. He said, follow me, become like me, believe in me, so that anyone who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and believes in their hearts that God has raised them from the dead will be saved now and for all of eternity. We thank you, Lord for allowing us the chance to follow. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name.
Amen. If you're able, I invite you to stand with us as we sing our closing song. If you need help with any decision, if you'd like to know more about becoming a Christian, entering into baptism, or you've seen somebody say, man, this this has been a hard week. I'm having a hard time putting one foot in front of the other. Know that we love you, and we're here to pray for you as we worship the Lord together.